Hey friends, and welcome back to the rest of the sermon, Confessions of a Pastor. It's great to have you back here as we continue our series focused on reclaiming Jesus. This episode, we're going to be considering the question of fear. And it seems like a very appropriate question for us to be thinking about or talking about uh, in our current society, our current times, uh, as there's a pandemic going on and a lot of folks who claim, uh, depending on which side that you are on, uh, if you are on the side of Silence, silence, the side of science uh, or the side of hoax or conspiracy, however you want to look at that. Uh, and that's probably not a fair way of characterizing these things, but, uh, you know, whatever, um, that, that you are being driven by fear one way or the other. So um, I want to encourage you, if you have not yet been able to see uh, our worship service that precedes this podcast, you can find a link to that in our show notes. Uh, And that's going to be an important one to click on and to watch um, because I'm not going to spend a ton of time going back over what I talked about in that sermon. Uh, Primarily what I will say is that the the Bible and, and Jesus both are pretty clear about what your response to fear should be. Uh, and essentially, the Bible says, be not afraid. Do not be afraid. Jesus says, I am here. Don't be afraid. Uh, and I, I talk about in that, that sermon that in the Bible, there are 365 occurrences uh, of the command, do not be afraid. In other words, one per day, if you wanted to just tackle one every day to remind you not to be afraid during a calendar year. So um, go back, listen to that, because today on the on the podcast, I want to focus, uh, instead of talking about uh, digging a little deeper into, into that question of fear and what the Bible has to say or what Jesus has to say, instead, I, I want to do what the subtitle of this podcast uh, claims that we do, which is uh, confessions of a pastor, I want to talk about in a very real way some of the fears that I am facing. This past week, uh, preparing for that sermon was very difficult for me because it forced me uh, to look directly in the eyes of the things that I fear, uh, especially as it relates to things like um, this pandemic, things like how the pandemic has affected the church. Um, some of these things are things we've talked about before. You know, I've I've mentioned on here before that Um, I don't think the church will ever be what it was pre-pandemic, that there are going to be some shifts and some changes that have happened that are going to be permanent. Uh, One of those shifts and and changes that have happened has been uh, a shift to a more kind of virtual, online, friendly platform. Uh, And what I think that means for churches like mine is where perhaps we had a family that would come three out of four Sundays, maybe four out of four Sundays when um, their their sport or whatever wasn't happening. Uh, now we're going to have that family probably two out of every four, maybe one out of every four, because it's just easier. Let's face it. It's easier to consume church when it's easier to consume, right? It's, it's easier to consume it when you can go get it on demand. And that's an interesting thing just to talk about is, is what is church? Is it something to be consumed? And unfortunately, that's what we've made it. And that leads then to kind of this first fear that I have had. And I, I spent some time in a pastor peer group this past week talking with them about some of these fears and, and really trying to seek answers and, and ended up even talking with uh, a church member here from church and, and just being honest and, and vulnerable to say, look, these are some things that are on my mind, and and I don't know what to do about this. And so the first fear that I've had to face as a pastor is, 
what does that word mean anymore? Uh, in other words, I, I had to recognize and, 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 and own up to the fact that I don't know that I know how to be a pastor right now. I know how I prefer to pastor a church. I know what I think pastoring means. But in the current context of what the world looks like, the normal ways I would go about pastoring a church are not open to me. And so an example that I would give you is that, you know, you hear me talk about check on your neighbors and check on your church neighbors. That's something I say often. And what I mean by that are the people that you would see every week. Those are your church neighbors, those that you would see every Sunday and you would check in with every Sunday and you would have a conversation, you'd share conversation, maybe share a cup of coffee and and you would check in every week. But they're also not people that you are running across during your day-to-day activities. And so they were folks you only saw on Sundays. Well, for many of us, it's been 10 long months since we've seen these people. It's been a long time since we've had meaningful conversations or meaningful interactions. And so a realization that I have is that there's a high percentage of my congregation, of my flock, of, of my people here at the church, that it's been a long time since I have had meaningful interaction with them. Now, I've shared text messages, I've uh, maybe even shared emails, and maybe on a couple of occasions even have had a chance to share a conversation personally, but it, it wasn't at the same level of being able to really check in on how are they doing, how are their lives, how are their spiritual lives. And so when, it, when you start thinking about what does it mean to be pastor, I, I start to realize or I start to try to have to face um, what I would call the many ways, the many places that I feel like, at least myself, that I failed at being a pastor during this pandemic. And so if I'm honest enough to say that I feel like I failed, then I need to be honest enough to say that I'm not okay with that and that I want to do things differently. The problem that I'm running into is I don't know how. I don't know what it is that that I need to be doing. I don't know what other folks are doing that they're finding success with. And I don't know what would even translate from some, what, what someone else is doing and they're finding success to what I would do and to what my ministry style looks like. And so one of the first things that I have to talk about or think about when I, when I broach this subject, this topic of fear, is this fear of failure. This fear of what does it even mean to be a pastor? What does it even look like to be a pastor? And so what it's forced me to do at this point is to go back uh, and to take a look at, um, if for no other way, better way of saying this, to look at the roots. What does it mean to be a pastor? What does it mean to care for one another? What does it mean to love? Obviously, that's a theme that I, I harp on a lot because I think that that theme of love is something that is at the very base of what we're called to do, who we're called to be, who we were, who we were created to be. And I'm realizing that in my failure to be a pastor, I've also failed to love. And that's a hard thing to admit. It's a hard thing to swallow. It's a hard thing to own up to. It's also a hard thing to fix or a hard thing to change. I would consider myself blessed in, in the sense that I think I serve a church that is also very understanding of uh, what's going on and what's happening and, and, and maybe the fact that, you know, they didn't cover uh, pandemics in seminary. This is my first pastorate, and so I don't have a ton of experience to lean on as far as how to be a pastor to begin with. The only thing I do have are relationships and history. 
And I fear that I have relied on those relationships and that history more so than I probably should have. I fear that I have taken for granted some of the relationships that I've built over the last seven and a half, eight years that I've been at the church. Of course, I've only been the pastor for two and a half or three years of that. I fear that I've relied on the goodwill that I've banked up along the way. And I fear that maybe for some, there wasn't enough there. And so what happens now when I make that call? What happens now when I reach out to the person who I haven't talked to or I haven't seen or I haven't had that meaningful interaction with? What happens when I own up to the fact that I haven't taken my own advice to check on my church neighbors as much as I should have? And then what does that mean for being a pastor moving forward? What does it mean for me to be a pastor? How can I be a pastor at a church where I feel like I failed? Now before, if there's, if there's congregation members listening to this, don't, don't get concerned if it makes you concerned. I'm not uh, looking for uh, a way out or, or, or not even. I, I, what I'm really looking for is our, our solutions. What I'm really looking for is trying to come up with, okay, so what do I do? How do I respond? How do I do better? How do I be the pastor that I know God has called me to be? And let me tell you, that's tough. One of the other reasons it's tough is because the only real feedback uh, or the only real way you know how you're doing is based on the feedback that you're getting. And that's something else that changes dramatically when there's not in-person worship services. You don't have those meaningful conversations. A lot of the feedback that you would get would be normally be positive is that face-to-face interaction. And, and even if it wasn't a positive word that was shared, there's just the, the community and the feeling of being around one another, the intimacy of just being together that reinforces kind of what you're doing and what your role is and how you're doing. And, and, and lacking that, and then on top of that, the feedback that you do get, at least for me, my, my experience is the feedback I do get uh, vastly is, is slanted towards those who question decisions I've made, who questions directions the church has taken, who questions responses that we have taken as far as how to handle the pandemic, how to handle uh, other concerns. And so when you get more one-sided of, of negative feedback, it's hard then to Remember that there is a positive reinforcement aspect out there somewhere. And so it's tough. It's tough. I begin to see or to understand why there is a disproportionate amount of people in this profession who are choosing to walk away or choosing a much more permanent solution. I begin to understand why people have become, pastors have become so, become so disillusioned with churches, with congregations that they have spent so much time with and thought that things were one way. But now that things become difficult, they start to feel or sense that, that they were wrong all along. And while I don't think that's true, I don't think that necessarily they were wrong all along as much as I think just that natural, normal feedback loop that they were used to having when seeing people in person, that's all shifted. So I'm guessing, I'm guessing that pastors, or maybe even not pastors, but myself, I'm guessing that the pastors or myself, that, that I'm not the only one who's had to face a fear of failure in the midst of 
how the world has changed over the last 10 months. I'm guessing I'm not the only one that has struggled to figure out how to wear the different hats of pastor and therapist and husband and father and teacher and counselor. And I mean, I could keep going, right? Chauffeur driver and taxi driver and all of these things that we're all trying to juggle in our own way. All of these things that we never signed up for. All the while, here we are. And so the encouragement I want to give to you, when we start thinking about this question of fear, and when we start thinking about the importance of reclaiming Jesus, I think it's important first that we do exactly what I've done here, and that is own it. Be willing to be vulnerable. Be willing to say to your spouse. Be willing to say uh, to your children who are old enough for you to have this type of conversation with. Hear hear that, that caution first. Hey, there's some ways where I've messed this up. Hey, there's some ways where I don't feel like I've, I've done well, spouse. What can I do? How can I improve? How can I do things better? Here are the things I'm struggling with. Here are the aspects where I feel like I failed. And that's exactly what I did with that group of pastors. That's exactly what I've done with the, the church member that I've spoken with. That's exactly what I'm doing with you folks here today is saying, look, I I can list the ways that I feel like I failed. I can list the ways that I feel like I need to do better. But the challenge I'm having is I don't know how. I don't know what to do differently that would fit with, with how I do ministry. I can't create myself into somebody that I'm not. I can't do things in, in, in a way that, that isn't me because it, it, that won't work either, right? So I've got to figure out how to be a pastor and how to be myself at the same time in a time when, when everything that, that used to be right side up is upside down, and, and, and that's really confusing for all of us. And so when we, when, we, when we take all of that into consideration and then we then start thinking about what it means to reclaim Jesus, one of the stories I talk about in the sermon is the story of the disciples on the boat, and they'd set out to cross the Sea of Galilee to, to, to go towards Capernaum. Jesus had not gotten on the boat. Instead, he went, as he often did, uh, to get away just for a few minutes to have some quiet time. He climbed up uh, a mountain and sat and just watched. And from his vantage point, he could see the storm rolling in. He could see the disciples on the boat. He could see them begin to struggle. And so his response was to calmly walk down and, you know, calmly, as calmly as you can, walk across the Sea of Galilee. Okay, not swim, but but to walk across the Sea of Galilee. And as the disciples are, are getting to the point where they're terrified, and I remember four of these guys are fishermen. I'm like, this was their job, their profession. When they're getting to the point where they're so scared they don't know what to do, they're afraid they're going to capsize, they're afraid something's going to happen, they look out and they see some dude walking towards them on the water. You can imagine, perhaps, the response they would have had. But Jesus sees them and he says, It is I. Do not be afraid. And in spite of their terror, in spite of their fear, they invite him on the boat. And immediately the storm ceases and they reach the shore. The comforting thing for me is in these moments, the treacherous water that is pastoring right now, as much as I feel like I failed, it's in those moments that I have to be willing to look outside of the boat and to see Jesus walking towards me, saying, it's me, don't worry, don't be afraid. Invite me where you are, invite me onto the boat and let me go with you. Let me help you. Let me show you what being a pastor looks like. 
Let me show you what being a church looks like. Let me show you what meaningful conversations and meaningful interactions look like now. Don't try to do it all on your own. But depend on me. Invite me in. I'm here. The 23rd Psalm says it another way. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Once again, even though I'm in those dark times, I'm not alone. As long as I choose to accept that I'm not alone. And so friends, in the moments of fear, in the moments of vulnerability, I invite you to look out of your boat. To look out of your immediate surrounding, your immediate circumstance, the immediate thing that that has your attention and that has encapsulated you. For me, it was being willing to look outside of just feeling like I'm this utter failure and seeing that Jesus is right there waiting for me to say, please come help me because I don't know how to do this on my own. Now, I wish I could tell you, here's what I learned. (laughs) Here's what Jesus told me. But unfortunately, my life experience suggests that that's not exactly how all of this normally plays out. And all I can tell you right now, again, is that I've decided I need to go back to the roots. I need to go back to what it means to be a pastor, what it meant for me to be a pastor. What does being a pastor, a successful pastor, look like for me? And how do I do that in a time of a pandemic? And I don't have those answers yet. For me, it's been going back and looking at resources, not only studying the life of Jesus, but studying the life of other pastors, Eugene Peterson as an example. And what is it that that encompasses being a pastor that, that I can be doing and need to be doing and haven't been doing? So friends, today, as we consider the question of fear, as we think about the response to fear, I want to encourage you, one, to be willing to be vulnerable. One, to be willing to be confessional, to own it, own what you're afraid of, own what your failures may or may not have been, and then to be willing to look outside of the boat, see Jesus standing there, and know that you are not alone, and then be willing to invite him in and to trust. It's been said that the opposite of fear is not faith but that the opposite of fear is love. That's what we're called to do. We're called to love. Invite Jesus in. Trust him. Thank you for joining me for the rest of the sermon. As always, if you have any feedback or questions, you can send those to me at therestofthesermon at gmail.com. I hope you have a wonderful Thanksgiving. It is Thanksgiving week. I hope that you are making smart decisions when it comes to Thanksgiving. I hope that you will continue to wear your mask, to wash your hands, to socially distance yourself from others. I hope that you will be willing, willing to own up to the things that you're fearful of. And then I hope you'll be willing to look for Christ and to ask for help. Friends, I love you. I care about you. I'm praying for each and every one of you. And until we meet again, let God be God, you be love. God bless.